Sego. I'm John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. I need to give an update to the mascot debate that I initiated at my old high school by starting a petition last summer and formally asking the school board back in December to retire their race-based mascot. I did a show only a few weeks ago pointing out the hypocrisy and contrast on how an issue related to a student from my old high school listing Mein Kampf as his favorite book in this year's school yearbook, how that was handled versus how the mascot issue has been. That show was number 543 entitled Double Standard. Check it out. So the update is that after pushing off a vote on the mascot back in March, June 10th was supposed to be the day. It wasn't. The only vote on June 10th was to push off a vote once again to June 17th. A resolution to retire the mascot was read on the 10th, but instead a move to create a compromise resolution was pushed for, which would keep the Cambridge Indians moniker and entertain a new mascot. A vote on that resolution was slated for June 17th in a special meeting. Today I want to discuss the June 10th meeting, the June 17th meeting, and the week between the meetings. That week saw school board members wavering and making a few dramatic position changes and a few news items that may have played a factor in everything. One of those news items was a position paper released by the New York Association of School Psychologists, where the association came out in strong support of ending the use of native-based mascots. This statement from the association was originally released back in May, but has only recently been circulated among the people involved in the Cambridge, New York mascot debate. In reaching their conclusions, the association examined and referenced several academic studies that specifically focused on how both native and non-native people were affected by the use of race-based mascots. One of those studies was a 2011 paper by John Cheney, Amanda Burke, and Edward Berkeley, which was originally published in Volume 18, Issue Number 1, of the American Indian and Alaska Native Mental Health Research Journal. Page eight of the New York Association of School Psychologists position paper, which again, to be clear, references other academic studies, states the following. Exposure to indigenous mascots or stereotypical indigenous portrayals have been shown to have many negative effects on indigenous individuals, including lowered self-esteem, lowered opinion of future personal achievement, lowered opinion of community worth, and increased feelings of depression, stress, hostility, and distress. In addition to their effects on indigenous peoples, mascots have been found to have indirect effects on non-indigenous people who view the mascots. Exposure to indigenous mascots has been shown to increase implicit negative stereotyping of indigenous peoples. Additionally, similar ethnic brand imagery was found to affect people differently according to their political identity, with more liberal participants developing stronger stereotypes, possibly due to possessing more malleable views. Cheney and others found that indigenous mascot depictions were viewed more negatively than white mascots. Non-indigenous participants with a more negative bias towards indigenous mascots also viewed their indigenous partners more stereotypically than non-Indigenous partners. Janie and colleagues predicted that these findings indicated an implicit bias against Indigenous peoples, resulting in stereotypical and ultimately negative expectations. Additionally, exposure to Indigenous mascots were found to cause those with prejudiced attitudes towards Indigenous people 
to rate them more stereotypically aggressive. Additionally, those mascot supporters were found to more easily believe negative information relating to indigenous persons. On June 16th, the Washington Post published an opinion piece by Kate Cohen citing the same issues I brought up a few weeks ago and clearly casting Cambridge as a racially insensitive community in the wake of the June 10th meeting. Ms. Cohen was in attendance at that meeting. So the Cambridge story was national and in one of the most widely distributed newspapers and online media sources in the U.S. This was an extraordinary embarrassment for both the Cambridge Central School and for the community. And the opinion piece placed the onus squarely on the school board for refusing to vote on a resolution to remove its Indian's name and imagery and opt to craft an amended resolution to keep calling themselves Indians and only consider a new logo. The article called out board president Neil Gifford specifically, stating that Gifford bemoaned the fact that Cambridge's reputation has become one of racial insensitivity. Gifford said, that's not who we are. But Cohen concluded, but for now, it apparently is. You can find her column by searching Cambridge, New York yearbook on the WashingtonPost.com opinions page. Another strong and eloquent voice entered the picture prior to the June 17th meeting. And that came in the form of an open letter to the school board from the CCS 2021 high school valedictorian Fiona Mooney. Fiona writes, My hope is that when you are imagining who this vote will affect, it will first be Indigenous people and a member of the class of 2025 or 2031, and only after that, a member of the class of 1975 or 1981. The students are, after all, the people that must wear the uniforms with the mascot. Serving as a student representative to some committees this year, I've learned how significant the responsibility the school has to be an equitable place is. A place where everyone, every single student, feels welcome, safe, and supported. That this mascot could create an unwelcome or hostile environment for even a single student is enough to justify its removal. Graduation is rapidly approaching, and with an ending such as this one, reflection is all but natural. Looking back on my 13 years of education, athletics, and other extracurricular activities at Cambridge Central School, I can definitely say that the school's mascot never in any way improved upon my understanding of indigenous history, culture, or issues. It has only contributed to a miseducation filled with misconceptions. Reflecting back, students and fans were doing things that were really not okay by anyone's standards, but thought it was acceptable because of this mascot. You would be, intentionally or not, subjecting yet another generation to that miseducation by keeping the mascot, a disservice to them and the world they will interact with. The mascot does not bring honor and respect, but how could it? The fundamental problem with the mascot is displayed quite clearly on the Protect the Pride signs, where it says, we are the Indians, or when teams are announced as the Indians. The vast majority of the student body and community are in fact not Indians, but are temporarily assuming the identity of a group of people 
that have been and are being so horribly treated. The Cambridge Indians mascot is harmful in so many ways. Primarily, it's offense towards indigenous people and people of color, and also the miseducation and severe misconceptions it teaches all students. Whether the community is ready or not for this change should not be so heavily weighed in this decision. When this is a necessity for the school, a place for children pre-K to 12th grade, the mascot really must go. Some say that in the next few years or decade, it will probably be removed at the state level anyway. But to delay the decision and continue to uphold such harm with an indefinite ending would be an absolute disservice and neglect of responsibility. And in regards to the recent yearbook incident, how can a school adequately address an issue of racism or cultural disrespect in one area while upholding it in another? If the board formally votes to keep the mascot, it signals that the harm and offense many indigenous people feel from it doesn't matter. An example that students will see. If the school is willing to ignore the harm it is causing people, then what is it teaching the students to do? Vote to remove the mascot. The courage to change is a most beautiful thing. Respectfully, Fiona Mooney, Class of 2021 Valedictorian, Student Council President, and National Honor Society President. My guest this week to help us sort all this out is Scott Carino. Scott owns and operates the Roundhouse Bakery and the Pompanook Farm Institute in Cambridge, New York. Scott is also a member of the Cambridge for Social Justice Group and attended both Board of Education meetings this month. Talk to me a little bit about you know, what Cambridge for Social Justice is. Well, it's, it's a group of people um, you know, some who are who are uh, original to this area were born in this in this uh, town, and then a number of people who moved here us 35 years ago, other people 20 years ago, 10 years ago, and it's a group of people that um, when Black Lives Matter hit uh, hit uh, needing support, we wanted to step up and do what we could. Um, to support Black Lives Matter. Um, and then certainly when when you came into town um, and brought this petition here, we were like, yeah, this is absolutely something that is local. It's important. We need to back this fellow up. Well, and I certainly appreciate that. But that, you know, that support um, certainly came at a cost. I know... Um, I know yeah. the the, uh, the mascot debate has been pretty divisive in in the community, and and I know you know some of you feel feel much more vulnerable than others, and and I realize that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it is a it has really divided the town. Uh, we are we think uh, that more people support what we do than are willing to say that. Um, we've, we certainly were overrun at the, at the school board meeting and, and these damn, uh, uh, protect the pride signs are just have blanketed this town and it's real caused a real division, but it's also made us stronger, more committed. Uh, no question about that. 
Well, as uh, you know, as I've told some of the listeners to my podcast, you know, we, you know, I, I started the petition. Uh, I went to Cambridge in uh, in November, uh, hoping to be on the the school board agenda. Right. I wasn't allowed to be on November, so I came back in December, uh, issued my statement, and made my formal request that the school board begin the process of retiring their race-based mascot. We got a commitment early on that they would open up uh, for public comment um, and receive emails, letters, whatever, uh, information, and that the board themselves would do some of their own research on the, on the subject and mm-hmm. then come back and vote in March. And then they didn't. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they didn't. I mean, they gave some indication at that March meeting that they basically had an overwhelming amount of information that was calling for removal. Um, and some, you know, emails and letters calling for support of the mascot. Mm-hmm. Um, but in March, they yielded to the pressure and said, well, we're not going to vote. We're going, we're going to vote to delay the vote. And right. so they made a plan, a new strategy to vote in June, on June 10th. And in the meantime, was going to bring in a mediation group, a restorative justice team that right. was going to help Cambridge residents deal with their feelings that they were having about the the, the divisiveness that this mascot debate was bringing to uh-huh. town. Not to discuss their, the harm that the mascot was causing, right, but just to all. discuss the harm that, um, uh, you know, that they were feeling for even you know, potentially losing their mascot. So, right. um, so that's what the plan was. And many of us participated in what they were calling healing circles, that were not terribly productive. And at the very end, um, when they were actually did the last few um, healing circles live and in person, it went very badly. And uh-huh. if anything, created a, a forum for more hate and vitriol than existed before the healing circle. So it, was, uh, it, it went very badly. And the, those really terrible circles um, occurred in the days leading up to the June 10th meeting. Now, uh, talk to me about about that meeting. <laughs> well, um, you know, we were we were all prepared that the board was going to vote and to vote uh, by a three to two margin to um, to retire the mascot and the name. And it seemed like that's where it was headed. Uh, the board president gave an impassioned, uh, eloquent speech uh, why this was so important. He had his facts, and it is facts that are, are presented um, to retire. They're not feelings, it's facts. Um, and, and gave this impassioned speech. Um, and this was, again, after that, the last set of circles you just spoke about. Um, and we, I was in some of those circles, um, and and overheard how one of the board members was just being hammered. He was one of two people who were initially supportive of retiring the mascot in a group of 
12 or 13 people, the, the remaining people in that group um, were passionate, loud, aggressive supporters of keeping the mascot. And um, it, it was so loud that the two cir- other circles that were in this large space had to move into other spaces because we could not focus on what we were doing. And, um, and each of the three circles uh, was pretty much a nightmare I will say. Um, and um, so this board member, I think, felt really threatened by that, by that, um, the circles and the threats that were being made against him. Um, so he was, he at the June 10th meeting, uh, really, he waffled. He, you could tell this was a person who spoke passionately at the previous meetings. Um, we knew how he was going to vote or thought we knew how he was going to vote. And then on June 10th, he's, he was one of the first to speak saying, I am not sure how I'm going to vote. Uh, I don't know how this should go. I really, really, you could tell he was tormented. So after the board president had given his impassioned speech and this board member gave his um, hesitant um uh, thinking on changing the mascot or not, uh, the board president um, pulls out an amendment, um, perhaps prepared or on the fly, we're not sure, but it was an amendment that made the compromise that um, some of the keepers wanted, which was to maintain the name, but change the image, change the mascot. And they talked about this over and over again, decided that they couldn't decide on the wording of that amendment um, and decided to, to meet uh, a week later after a lawyer had uh, had written this out according to what he understood they were trying to do. And they were going to meet on the – I think it was the 17th um, to determine and vote on this new amendment to keep the name, but change the mascot. Now, and I'll tell you, but, but yeah. uh, just for a second here, but to be sure. clear on June 10th, they didn't ever put the original resolution to vote. They didn't ever no, vote. They did not. They, this wasn't, this wasn't a resolution to retire that failed. Yeah. The, yeah. The board president literally completely capitulated about having the vote. So they moved on to this compromise resolution without ever giving the other resolution a chance to go to vote. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I'll tell you, a lot of us were tuned into that meeting. A lot of us began that meeting feeling like this is going to happen. And then this, this flip flop to, you know, halfway through the meeting, really, it really floored us. We were very angry that this is what occurred. And again, on the 10th, this was also statement was made about um, potential violence on either side because violence had been threatened. And, you know, and I'm sorry to say, John, you were you were targeted in that as a potential uh, creator of violence. And, and none of us know that to be true about you. You are passionate, you're fiery, but nothing, <laughs> nothing like threatening violence like um, we have heard and seen uh, from the people who want to keep this mascot alive. Um, so that was, that was really uh, so disappointing in this person that we really thought had his ducks in order, um, again, spoke passionately about the, the harms that mascots cause, 
um, and and then just completely uh, stepped away from from we thought his integrity at that point. So it was really it was a shocking meeting, kind of floored us. We were, <laughs> we, uh, we were just floored by it. Well, and really disappointed and angry. Well, and and again to be clear. One of the things that did happen at the June 10th meeting was that Neil Gifford, the, the board president, did read into the record what that original resolution was. And, right. and, that, and, and that reading included a whole lot of whereases that explained the position of the National Congress of the American yeah. Indian, the American Psychological Association, all of these organizations, every nation, including the two nations that that can claim some ancestry to the Cambridge region, the, this both, region, yeah, both the Mohicans and uh, and the Mohawks, yeah, yeah. But but when, but it included all of that, and mm-hmm. it was read into the record, but not voted on, right? But uh, but they immediately shifted towards developing a compromise that that was going to keep the name and really only consider, not even necessarily committed right. to, but consider changing the imagery. Yes, which exactly. Is, which, which is what they did 20 years ago, which right. only to change the imagery but keep the name. So that's yeah. what happened on the 10th. So yeah. we all knew that a week later there was going to be a vote in all likelihood, in our minds, um, to, to pass this compromise resolution, which would keep the name and really put the onus on the next board, which would be, which would be seated after the school year ended um, right. in, in, uh, at the end of June, in July. Right. Yeah. Be, yeah. So, so that's what we anticipated, but out of that 10th meeting, you know, a couple of things happened. You know, one of the things that happened was because of what Neil Gifford had said that somehow implied that I was a threat. Um, there was a lot of pressure on him to address that. And he actually right. he actually reached out to me and was very apologetic. He said that's not what he meant to say. He was really trying to just you know put advocacy in uh, in context and that it wasn't really violent and and that kind of and that's what he claimed. He was very apologetic and mm-hmm. um, and he and he committed to me um, on the telephone that he was going to make a public apology at the next meeting. Uh, and and he did. It was, it was kind of a weak apology, but it was, it was an apology nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. um, but but he 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 did make it clear that he was not accusing me of being violent, and right. and that was you know so that's one thing he did clear up in uh, at the, at the next meeting. But we had so we had a long conversation, and I expressed my you know my complete not just disappointment, but but my anger at his capitulation mm-hmm. over this. He explained mm-hmm. to me. You know uh, how badly one of the board members have been treated in uh, in those so-called healing circles. Right, um, right. But he also told me that he was going to bring the original resolution to vote. Now I don't know how he was going to do that, but that's what he told me in a uh, you know in a, in a conversation. So, right. So that's one of the things that took place after the June 10th meeting before the June 17th meeting. Now, two right. other, you know, a, a couple of other things happened, actually three other things. One of the other things that happened was the Washington Post had issued <laughs> um, mm-hmm. an opinion piece by, uh, by Kate Cohen and really, um, really, again, in the Washington Post, cast Cambridge into the national yep. spotlight again, not only addressing 
you know, the, the yearbook scandal that they had where a senior had posted Mein Kampf as his favorite, uh, as his favorite book in the yearbook, mm-hmm. um, which caused them to react swiftly and, you know, recall the yearbooks, reprint the yearbooks and all that other stuff. Right, right. But, Fast. But what Kate Cohen had said in the Washington Post article was that that stood in direct, um, you know, opposition, I guess, or, or contrast to how the the school was dealing with this with the mascot issue um, exactly and and again this is the washington post the mm-hmm. washington being the city that the washington football team you know a, a a an organization or a franchise that had millions of dollars invested in that branding mm-hmm. would bail on its uh its native mascot so so she really questioned you know the the racial insensitivity that existed in Cambridge, and so it was. A, it was a pretty strong, and it was it was a pretty condemning, you know, piece that she had she put. Yeah, sure. But deservedly so, I must say. Um, yeah. yeah. So that came out. The other thing that came out was a a new report, which was the position paper by the New York Association of School Psychologists, right? Which which laid out in pretty good detail um, what what psychologists and what the, the what these school psychologists uh, believe to be the ill effects of the native mascots. So mm-hmm. that, that came out in the week between the two meetings. And, and the final thing that I'll say that came out, which was really delightful as far as I was concerned, was the 2021 Cambridge Central School valedictor- valedictorian, uh, Fiona Mooney, had issued an open letter where right. she laid it out pretty clearly. And again, she also called out the contrast between dealing with their yearbook scandal and the, and the mascot issue. Right. So those right. three things happened. And, and I don't know if you want to weigh in on, uh, frankly, you, I know you weren't familiar with the, with the New York um, Association. On yeah, I wasn't like, sure I had read that one. But, but, you've, yeah. but you certainly have seen some of the other you know, uh, reports that were done by other you know, professionals and professional organizations. But give me your thoughts on the Washington Post article and, yeah. and, and what, you, what you were familiar with in the week that took place between, between the two votes. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, the, when the yearbook uh, fiasco uh, occurred, that hit the AP and was all over the, the U.S. and Canada. And with AP, it could easily have gone to Europe. I don't know for sure that it did, but it was, it was a, a very striking uh, story about our town. And, you know, to, to see that occur. And then again, to see how the school responded so fast to that, those, those yearbooks had been distributed. They called them back. They altered them. They redistributed them. That's fast, you know? And then, you know, when the Washington post connected that, you know, the two stories of, of the mascot issue and what it's done to this town um, and how it's represented this town and then the, and tying it to the yearbook and, and, and pointing out how fast, you know, how fast the school responded to the yearbook issue. um, But clearly have dragged their feet at, at a minimum for the last eight months, nine months, uh, but really going back 20 years when this issue first came up. Uh, so, you know, and they made they made that point. And, and it was, you know, a deep embarrassment to this community or to people who, you know, 
want to see the mascot change and want to see progressive learning in our schools. Um, it was deeply upsetting to see that. However, some of us were kind of like, yeah, well, this is the truth right here. And the truth is getting out. Um, so much is so much is said by people who want to maintain this ritual of having um, uh, I'm going to call it an Indian mascot, <laughs> inaccurate that is. Uh, so much value is placed on how special Cambridge is, and we can have this this Indian mascot, uh, in quotes again, um, and, and, and have it be an honoring of Native Americans, an honoring of indigenous people who used to live here, and we're chased off the land, and this is the way that, you know, we're going to maintain our specialness because we can do this. It's, it's crock. I mean, I understand the emotion that goes behind it, but you're talking about the emotions of, of guys in their 30s, 40s, 50s, sometimes 60s who played football, basically. So, you know, you're again, so much of it's based on feelings. Uh, they felt outraged by that article. We felt really supported by that article. And we're really sort of happy that that was the, ex you know, it's embarrassing, but it's the truth. Um, yeah, that was an awesome article. And then Fiona's uh, letter uh, was just astonishing from this young person who was also the the student council president. And, you know, she's just an amazing person. We know her quite well um, to write such an eloquent letter so direct. Um, and, and that, I think, really weighed on the board when they saw these two things and then certainly the report from, from the psychologist, school psychologists. I mean, this is, this, uh, I think, really woke up um, the board members' uh, integrity and say, we, we've got to do this. We may go down uh, you know, losing when the new board takes over. We'll see. I don't know where this is going to go. But they had to stand up for what was right, and this is right to make this change. So, so, yeah. so again, now walk me through um, how you experienced the uh, the June seventeenth meeting. <laughs> yeah, well, it was quite the opposite of what we felt. You know, we started out on the tenth euphoric, thinking this was going to happen, and ended with our holding our heads and jumping up and shouting at the computer screen because it was, you know, it was an online meeting. And on the seventeenth, it was exactly the opposite. We thought that they're going to now vote on this amendment, which you know, frankly, is a bullshit amendment. There's no way you can represent in picture form uh, the Indian, in quotes, without it being another racist symbol. I mean, it's just, there's no way. Uh, so we started out the, on the 17th holding our head, you know, going, this, this, this is going to really suck here. Um, and then to have it turn around with... Um, the canceling of the amendment, you know, the voting down of this potential amendment to keep the name and change the image, um, it was voted down three to two. And the three people who had voted to extend this discussion into, you know, saving the name, uh, three out of the five who, who decided that, um, had really come back to their senses and and um, turned down, you know, voted down that amendment 
um, and then put the original um, the original back on and voted it in three to two to change both the name and the mascot. And so we started the meeting holding our heads, seeking, seeing doom coming uh, to uh, incredible elation that they had stepped up uh, and did the right things. So it was really quite a contrast between the two meetings. Well, and again, actually three votes took place on the 17th. Yeah, yeah. They voted right. for <laughs> the, the detailed compromise resolution. Right. Um, and they, that vote failed. And right. then um, Dylan Hanos proposed uh, That's right. a, a, another amendment to the original uh, uh, to the original resolution, which was just specifically all the other language, but they were going to keep the name. And and of course yeah, that yeah. failed three to two as well. Right. And then That's finally right. it went to vote on the original resolution um, that again Neil had spoken so impassionately about and read into the record on the previous week. Right, um, right. And they voted three to two. And so there was this, you know, um, a, definite, a definite change from the week prior. And, yes. And it certainly didn't sit well with all the, with, with all the board members. No, not at all, you know. And, I'm, and you know, I think the reason I, I thought, uh, tried, thought I remembered it was two votes was that Dylan's new amendment on the 17th was basically the same thing that they had just voted down. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, and it's, you know, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's that meeting, uh, really kind of changed things, uh, the energy and we don't know what's ahead, John. We, we don't really know. We don't know what the plan is. I think the idea is that when the second board member that was voted in that will take his seat, he was voted in, uh, on a pro mascot um, platform, just like uh, Dylan was, um, that they're going to try to reverse this decision. I don't know that they can do that. I think the board president and the superintendent uh, sets the agenda, and, and I'd like to think that they're planning on not bringing it up, not allowing it to come up. Uh, well, that's the hope. Well, and, yeah. and, and I think it's important to realize that if board members, whether it was the you know the previously existing board member or the the two that were just voted in, if they decide to try to rescind what this board just voted on, mm -hmm. they will be continuing the embarrassment for Cambridge. And oh, it's going to spike it because to turn around and bring this in uh, is going to actually increase the embarrassment to this town. That's what I see, you know. It's like one thing to fight for it and lose, but and and again lose a racist mascot and and a moniker to like choosing a mascot that's racist and a moniker that's racist. I mean, it's like that's going to look terrible, like twice as bad as trying to protect it. You know, that's my feeling about that. It's going to be really bad. Well, and again, again, I think it's got to be you know clearly stated that we see what the trend is, not just with pro, right. pro sports teams like the Cleveland baseball team or the Washington football team, but even on the Canadian side, the the Edmonton uh, Canadian Football League team dropped its its name from the Eskimos and changed it to the yeah. Elks. I mean, yeah, this is a uh, I mean, this is a, a movement. This is a trend. And it's more than a trend. It's it's a it's a wave. Over half of the schools that have um, dropped their their native mascot uh, 
in the last 10 years has done it in the last two. Right. So it gives you an idea what this call for social justice um, has meant. And, and, you know, this is the trend and trying to buck that trend and trying to argue that somehow Cambridge is special enough to, to maintain the use of a race-based mascot, a native-based mascot, when every place else is, you know, is, is, is somehow do that scrutiny is, yeah, yeah. is just an absurd proposition. Yeah, exactly. You know, one of the biggest things, this might uh, just be a shift a little bit here, but one of the major complaints that, that I've heard, um, and, and a lot of this comes from people who say, yeah, the mascot should be changed. So the complaint is, well, why now? How can they do this now? Why are you pushing for this now when the kids are going through this pandemic and, you know, and they don't know who they are now and don't know their relationship? to school why now couldn't this wait well you know my my response to that is you know what you know do you tell people who have been in this position for over 400 500 years now that we just need you to wait a little longer uh you know that to me is 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 you know, as a white man, I don't have the right to tell anybody how they, uh, how and when and why they want to change, make change in the society. Um, and that's, again, one of the biggest complaints, again, from people who think that it should be changed. Well, we shouldn't do it right now. We should wait. No, that's not up for you to say as a white person. It's not up for me to say. We have to follow and support what needs to be done now. There's no waiting for for this. So justice justice delayed is justice denied, right? Well, exactly, exactly. Well, the other thing that's interesting, and I'll bring it up just in passing, um, the other complaint is that it's going to be expensive, and yet they changed the logo 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. and and they did it without a board vote. They did it uh-huh. without consulting anybody about the expense or or ever evaluating what it cost to change from their Plains Indian headdress logo to the, you know, the the Eastern Woodlands stereotypical image right. that, they, that they use now. And the proposal, the compromise proposal was going to do just that. It was going to address changing the logo. So nobody was was weighing out the expense associated with changing the imagery. Right. And changing the name the the moniker or the nickname doesn't add you know any more expense and and again i think the the resolution called for the changing of things that uh over 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 time, over time. you know as yeah, exactly. as their as their life life usage uh, you know has expired when you need to replace uniforms don't replace them with indians on it anymore and right, and right. and the like so yeah, a lot of the these were excuses that were being used, and none of them really were were sufficient. And you, so I guess we'll see how this thing goes. I, yeah, I, I know that I I do want to applaud you know, you and and the and the Cambridge for Social Justice group for the good work that you're doing. I look forward to to continue to work with you, not just on native issues, but on social justice issues. And uh, you look, I graduated from Cambridge. You know, it, yeah. is, it is still one of the places that I consider my hometown. And, yeah. and I've got to say it for the record again. I didn't go to Cambridge to cause trouble. I went to Cambridge <laughs> to help the community. Yeah, I know that. And, and we know that, John. And, and again, we would work next to you on any issues uh, related to this. You know, you, you're... 
you're a strong advocate for for what is right and and we're right behind you and we're really grateful for you john i'm not sure that we would have been able to pull this off without you um you've been a very strong and passionate voice and uh we're happy to support you so um and to make cambridge better you know it has to be, you know, we're going to shrink, uh, we're going to shrink as a community if, if we hold ourselves so special that we don't think, you know, we have to move with the times. Um, so yeah, we support you in a heartbeat, John, you've been great support to us. So really appreciate it. Well, I want to thank you for the work that you've done. And I also want to thank you for, for joining me here on my podcast, uh, and for lending your voice, um, you know, to, to explain what has trans transpired here. And yeah, I greatly appreciate it. Scott Carino, um, again, a, a new and good friend. And I thank you for the work that you've done. You're welcome. And thank you, John. Take care. All right. Thank you for checking out the show. As always, if you like what you hear, you can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash let's talk native. You can follow the show on Twitter at Let's Talk Native. You can also follow us on Instagram at Let's Talk Native TV. You can also join our Facebook group page. I am John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. Yahweh. They want to take my culture. That's an act of war. They want to take my language. That's an act of war. They want to take my tradition. That's an act of war. They want to take my spirit. But that won't happen, boy. I wake up, I smudge up, creator bless my body. I wake up, I smudge up, creator bless my body. I wake up, I smudge up, creator bless my body. I wake up, I smudge up, creator bless my body.